I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Dr. Christian DeQuincy, and he's the author of Blind Spots, 21 Good Reasons to Think Before You Talk. Christian, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. I'd like to talk about information (laughs) and information and what it has to do with consciousness and I want to read a quote that you have I have in your book, Blind Spot. And I, I just it really grabbed me because it it reminds us of the information blizzard that we live in and how it's being touted as the most important thing. This is the information age and so forth. And this is by Herman Simon, a Nobel laureate, and he says, What information consumes is the attention of its recipients. Hence, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention and a need to allocate that attention efficiently among the overabundance of information sources that it might consume. Now, I would change that quote just slightly because when he says um, that, hence, a wealth of information creates a poverty of attention and a need to allocate that attention efficiently among the overabundance of information sources. I would say effectively. Mm -hmm. So my question is, what is the dichotomy between information and consciousness? Is there one? Well, one of the the blind spots that I write about in, in my book is the the cliche that everything's information, including consciousness and matter and energy. And there's a growing number of scientists and philosophers who claim that. And I think that the notion that everything is information, that consciousness and energy come from information, has it upside down, has it exactly backwards. It's, and I say it this way, that information requires two phenomena, two parts. It requires patterns of energy... In fact, it requires changing patterns of energy. That's what we notice. But it also requires a sentient being to notice or to read those patterns of energy. So the sentience is consciousness. So information, for information to exist, you need patterns of energy and some conscious being who is aware of or reads, perceives those patterns of energy. So information then is secondary to the presence of consciousness and the presence of patterns of energy. So information doesn't come before energy, doesn't come before consciousness. It is a product of consciousness reading the patterns in energy. Now, if we think about it that way, then what is going on when um, different designers are saying um, we can design an artificial intelligence, an AI intelligence, that can be sentient, that will have consciousness. So what do you have to say about that? Well, I would say basically dream on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That unless they acknowledge that the ingredients that they're working with already, so the silicon chips in their technology, must already have some degree of consciousness that they then rearrange in ways that allow that consciousness to express itself in in more intelligent ways. But that's not what most of the AI researchers believe. They actually say, no, we're dealing with inanimate, non-sentient, 
bits and pieces of, of the physical world. But us brilliant technicians, we can put those together in such a way that we can create artificial intelligence. And we can, we can give it enough information and data that it will be able to process all the different choices. Well, um, so one of the one of the blind spots that they have is that information in technology and science and engineering according to Claude Shannon who was the uh, the main inventor of the science of information theory is that for him he made it very explicit is that information in the engineering scientific sense does not include meaning it's the measure of a signal along a certain channel. So there's nothing, no meaning involved in the information as, as engineers and scientists refer to it. So if there's no meaning to begin with, then you're not going to get meaning out of it. Again, it's another one of those um, blind spots of trying to get something from nothing. If you don't have meaning to begin with, you're not going to get it out of the basic ingredients. So couldn't you program it to have certain intrinsic values that are are supportive of of life and livingness no you uh, you can't program a machine to have values what you can do is program it in ways that it will then behave according to the values of the programmer but the machine itself doesn't have any experience of those um, values um, there's a major, another major blind spot in that whole AI field is they, they don't recognize the difference between um, intelligence and intelligent behavior. We, we know that there are these um, vacuum cleaners that apparently seem to be behaving intelligently. They will avoid obstacles and bump around the room. They won't fall over stairwells and so on. They're behaving intelligently. But the machine itself is not having any, it doesn't have any intelligence. The intelligence exists in the consciousness of the programmer that programs the machine to behave in an intelligent way. Yes, we can program machines to behave intelligently, but the intelligence resides in the consciousness of the creator of the program. Okay, then that brings up the question about, is consciousness intelligence? Yes, yes. I define intelligence as the, you cannot have intelligence without consciousness. Intelligence is the ability to form a purpose, a goal, and then to creatively move toward achieving that goal or that aim. So intelligence is the ability to form a purpose and then to creatively make choices to move you closer to attaining that purpose. So you need consciousness at every step to have intelligence. The vacuum cleaner doesn't have its own aim or purpose. The purpose is in the mind of the creator, and it's not making creative choices. It's responding mechanically to the instructions embedded in its program to avoid obstacles. Now, Christian, I know that you talk a lot in your book uh, about consciousness and energy as being two very separate things, but they are melded into one another. They cannot be, they're, they're separate, but not separate. <laughs> no, no. They're, they're not, yeah, they're definitely not separate or separable, but they are different. They are distinct. So one, one of the, the um, points I emphasize in my work is the difference between 
separate and distinct. So an example I often give is let's say I throw you a rubber ball, a sponge ball, and I ask you to separate the shape from the substance. Well, of course, you can't do that. You can twist it and turn it. Yes, if you twist it, you've changed the shape, but the substance remains exactly the same. You still have exactly the same amount of rubber or sponge. So what you've just demonstrated, even though the shape and the substance are inseparable, you cannot separate them, but you can change one without changing the other, therefore they are not identical. Well, by analogy, that's an analogy that consciousness and energy have a similar kind of relationship. They are inseparable. You never have one without the other, but they are distinct. You cannot put an equal sign between consciousness and energy, just as you cannot put an equal sign between a shape and a substance. So they, and where does sentience come in to that whole equation? Sentience is the, is, is the consciousness. Sentience is the ability to be aware, to have feelings, to make choices. The feelings um, get focused on the possibilities. We have awareness that every moment we are aware of the possibilities, and then sentience exercises its intelligence to pick one of those possibilities that aligns with the purpose in that consciousness, in that intention, and it will then select the particular possibility that is more likely to manifest that purpose. And so intelligence is the expression of consciousness. So I know that you use the, the term uh, sentient energy yes. because it's inseparable, but it's distinct. Yes, exactly. So energy is objective, Consciousness is subjective. And objective meaning it can be measured. Meaning it can be measured because it exists in space. It has extension in space and can move through space. There's energy. Consciousness doesn't have that kind of existence. It doesn't exist as an object in space. It is the, the subject that feels or is aware of or knows the existence and the movement of objects in space. But it is not itself one of those objects moving through space. So you have that bumper sticker... Consciousness knows, energy flows. That's the bumper sticker that, that expresses the difference between consciousness and energy. But they always go together. The knowingness and the flowingness always go together. So with all of this being said, how is all of this knowingness going to help us in our present dilemma of, let's say, ecological crisis. I mean, I know that's a big one, but I think yeah. you can handle this. Well, well, I think that's the most important question that anybody on the planet today can be uh, paying attention to. Um, it goes back to um, uh, a blind spot that I talk about, which is that humans are special, which implies that, that only humans have this intelligence and, and high degree of consciousness, and that the natural world doesn't. As long as we tell that story, we are alienating ourselves from the natural world, that we are ghettoizing the human species by separating ourselves from the natural world, thinking that we are the only species that has this high degree of intelligence or even any intelligence or consciousness. What I'm saying is that we need to recognize that nature itself is teeming with sentience, is teeming with consciousness, is teeming with feeling, is teeming with intelligence, and that we are constantly in communication with that if we pay attention. And if we don't pay attention to the intelligence that's been expressed in the natural world, I don't see that we have much of a future as a species. And unfortunately, we will probably bring down, well, we will bring down 
most other species with us. So we need to change our story. We need to get beyond the myth that humans are special because we have this special consciousness. We need to recognize that our consciousness is an expression our intelligence, our consciousness is an expression of the intelligence and consciousness of nature itself. So that's a, a new meta paradigm that to, to release our specialness and to really embed ourselves thoroughly in the wisdom of all that is being expressed in livingness. You got it, yeah. Um, and and. It, it's new, but it's also very ancient. It's it's what the indigenous, all our ancestors lived with that awareness. They didn't separate themselves from the natural world. They, to use the the phrase, they engaged in the participation mystique. They engaged in the mystery of the natural world. They felt themselves participating in the world. They related to the world through feeling, not through abstract rational thought. Not that. They didn't have the ability to reason, but they recognized that there are other ways of knowing beyond reason and the senses, that there's feeling and intuition, and they didn't have that separation that we today suffer from. Thank you. Thank you so much for being part of the New Dimensions Cafe today, Christian. My pleasure. I've been speaking with Dr. Christian De Quincey, and he's the author of Blind Spots, 21 Good Reasons to Think Before You Talk. And if you want to know more about his work, you can go to his website, christiandequincey.com, and he spells his last name D-E-Q-U-I-N-C-E-Y, christiandequincey.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms, and I thank you for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe. Please do join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a thousand hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org.